TV Talkaholics here, new and improved, just not very new and improved. Well, I guess that remains to be seen, but in, in our new iteration, hi, Matthew. Hi, David. We're live. Can you believe it? As live as we can be. And uh, yeah, so this is, for, for those that don't understand what is happening right now, this is TV Talkaholics number 41, and it's going to be the first new TV Talkaholics since changing over from Let's Face the Facts to TV Talkaholics and dropping the previous banked library of episodes. So this is our new, uh, uh, first official new show for the new format and the new, a new, a new life. I hope you're excited about it, listeners. I hope you're as thrilled as Matthew and I are. Good. God, what we had to go through to get this scheduled. I'm very busy, David. I had three weeks and mm -hmm. I'm not complaining because God knows I certainly remember three years ago when my calendar was empty for a month mm -hmm. and I'm not complaining, but I had three weeks of no days off. I had to host Royal Oak Pride one weekend. A great honor. We'll go with that. <laughs> and then the next weekend, I had to go up again for bingo. So I didn't have, anyway, who cares? Mm -hmm. You had a lot here. going on and you're doing some stuff at the theme parks, back gainfully employed and then some. I'm very busy. Yeah, well, good. I am less busy these days, though. I forget if I've even told you, you know, I work at Capone's Dinner and Show now these days. <laughs> what, are you, what are you laughing oh, at? Bless your heart. Yeah, but because I work at Capone's, that means uh, I'm technically driving past your place on a much more regular basis. Yeah, yeah So you, you can are. expect a drop-in anytime. Oh. <laughs> Compounding at your door when you least expect it. Uh, enter through the back door, David. <laughs> <laughs> Walked right into it. Walked uh, right into that. Jesus. I would be more concerned for you dropping in than me because <laughs> I just not a lot of pants going on over here. <laughs> you see, knowing that you're such a you know a, a people avoidant hermit, I would think that my initial thoughts of bringing that up would be you going, "Oh no, don't come over. No one come to my house." It is my biggest fear is someone dropping by my house and finding out what a pig I am. <laughs> Well, if it's any consolation, I think we have a pretty good idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So not clean. <laughs> well, anyway, so that's that's my catch up, uh, dear listeners. If you're wondering what's been going on since uh, March of this year, it's been five months since Matthew and I have recorded, and uh, that's uh, that's a lot of time, and a lot of things have happened since then. Um, 
Uh, have you been listening to the to the back catalog of TV Talkaholics as it's been dropping every week, Matthew? Oh my God, I've tried, but I only have a seven minute drive to work. So, oh. and and mm, I try, but I just can't stand the sound of my voice anymore. I'm just oh. so it's hard for me to listen to. But I can't stand it either. I, I mean, know. my voice, my voice uh, is what I meant. Yeah, and yeah, holy shit, those early shows. Wow, that was <laughs> that was painful. Thank you for hanging in there, dear listeners, and uh, listening to them. We finally kind of hit our stride, but even still, listening to the ones that now the sound quality finally figure that shit out. That took me forever to realize we both needed good quality microphones and to learn how to use them and all that. But anyway, uh, before we get started with Mama's family talking about that, I. Did it, listeners. I did it. I suffered through 87 episodes of different strokes. And I finally got David to look at a mama's family. You're welcome. Yes, you did. And we are going to have words about that. But before we do, we have to welcome two new I, I almost said Tutti Fruities. That's, ugh, I really do love the name Tutti Fruities. But of course, now that we're TV talkaholics, we have uh, loved ones at the $1 a month level. And of course, sponsors at the $3 a month level. We have two new sponsors that we can welcome to the family here. Let's welcome David Yu. Oh, David Yu. Oh, you. David Yu is from the UK. And he wrote me a little note saying, our sitcoms, meaning here in England, can be a bit morose. American ones are much more upbeat and sunny, though I don't like the show Friends either. He sounds intelligent. And yeah. I, like, I would like to meet him. Mm -hmm. Well, David, if you could send Matthew your address, he will fly across the pond and personally thank you in, in a manner of his choosing. Uh, just uh, send that along to us. Please email us, facethefactspod at gmail.com. Also want to welcome Anthony E. Anthony. Ant, not Anthony, Anthony. E. It's weird. My name is David Anthony Almeida, and our two new Tutti Fruities are David and Anthony. How how fitting. What wonderful names these people have. Uh, Where is he from? I don't think he told me. He did write me a very sweet note that he wanted me to tell you that he thinks you are magnificent as the food critic on the Disney program. Oh, my critically ignored role on, <laughs> uh, on the Disney channel. Oh, what fun. Yes. Well, you have one whole fan in Anthony. So I guess with him and me together, that makes more than one. Yeah. So, but Anthony does say, if I ever get to Florida, once your governor is deposed, Oh, getting political, Anthony. He says he would kill to take both of us out for a drink and thank us for the incredible entertainment. He doesn't have to kill. Anthony, don't kill. No, stop. Killing. Killing is bad. And we as a podcast need to go on record saying we don't support that. So no need to do that. But come to Florida. Write us a note. Tell us. We'll meet you up. We'll let you buy us drinks. And anyone else of the Tutti Fruities, come to think of it. We're doing a podcast because we have no friends. Yes. So, <laughs> so head on down. 
Well, David and Anthony, we're thrilled to welcome you officially to the family and give you a shout out. And you know what? Since this is kind of a little bit of a new start, a new beginning, I thought I would give a quick rundown of our current roster of amazing supporters who have continued to support us, as I had said to the Tutti Fruities previously. Of course, as we're releasing several months of content that they've already heard, it was absolutely not going to hurt my feelings if they decided to take a break from sponsoring the show. But uh, to my great surprise, many of them have hung around. And so our former Tutti Fruities and now sponsors, I just want to give a shout out and say thank you to Pepe, Mendy H, Amber, Cody, Joy, James E, Dr. Steve, Ryan C, Linda K, Helen M, Jim S, Stephen M, MPM, Stacy R, Peter B, Martin K, Thomas C, Just Joe, Paul K, Denise, Stella F, Kevin L, Jonathan H, Michael B, Kat C, Michelle B, Pam M, Brian F, and Lamo. Thank you to all of you for supporting the show. And again, if you hear the sound of my voice, uh, any and all uh, sponsorship through the Patreon is greatly appreciated. And you can do so for as little as a dollar a month and become a member of the family. So, Matthew. David. Talk to me. What is this Mama's Family? And why did you feel so strongly that you wanted me to watch it? Mama's Family. It sounds silly to say, but I got a lot of my, I feel like, comic timing from it. It influenced me a little bit in how to kind of, with a line like Vicki Lawrence does. And the theme song is just a delight. And I Have you heard the words to the theme song? Of course. Yes, there are many YouTube videos of Vicki Lawrence singing the words, which she wrote, by the way. She wrote the words. And the wonderful Peter Matz wrote the theme song. But, okay, continue. I'm sorry I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I did. No, I just, I've always enjoyed it. It was it was like watching a stage play. And I, it, it was a comfortable thing to watch. And she reminds me of my mother. Oh, does she? Because she hates everything. Oh, <laughs> Wow. If you wonder where I get it. Oh, okay. That's where you get that from. Okay. Well, I just have to tell you, I watched this and I did actually find some other episodes to watch as well to try and see if I could get a more of a flavor of it. Because I did watch it a little bit when it first ran, when it was first on network television. And Matthew, I enjoyed it so completely and thoroughly. Oh, good. I did not expect to. I'm not being ironical when I say that. This was a fucking delight. I am a bigger fan now than I was back when it was originally running. Oh, hooray. Mm -hmm. It's just every character is such an archetype. And it just, nothing upsetting is going to happen. It's like almost like an I Love Lucy. What are they going to get into this week? And then, oh, they're going to wrap it up in 23 minutes. It's lovely. Yes. And 
I had to, you know, of course it's me. I had to get uh, super overly analytical about it. I'm like, this is clearly every bit as hokey as any of the hokiest of 1980s sitcoms. And the jokes are as, as jokey. I don't mean to get poetic here, but I was like, why am I not as inclined to be as critical as I have been with the facts of life? And I think it's because it is the the innocence level of facts of life, this is that times a thousand. The people are simple folk, they are rural folk, and the show never ever purports to be more than that. The facts of life, because it was Norman Lear, because it was trying to take on issues and have a little strain of serious about it, of drama, I think facts of life therefore set its own bar a little high. And with that, I always have measured facts of life based on you wanted to be a kind of a serious show that dealt with things in a comedically but serious, earnest manner. Mama's family does not ever no. put forth that it's trying to do that. I guess it has, the, for me, it had the appeal of kind of like an Andy Griffith show or a Green Acres, where it's about simpler people and therefore as as a city slicker myself, to hear them being simple and a little silly and a little dim, I find that completely, completely enchanting and entertaining. Yeah. There were no special episodes of Mama's Family. Oh, fuck no. No, absolutely not. So do you have any uh, factoids or or fast facts or or what what do we call them now? TV talk a hall talk talk up talkaholic points talking points i don't I know i did go through the ages of everyone oh you um, did yeah because that's my favorite thing oh sure um, my favorite thing about it is that the first season every episode opened with harvey corman oh doing the alistair bannister character from the carol burnett show right alistair quince alistair quince okay Alistair Bannister is what they did on the Sonny and Cher show. Mm. You're welcome. But I was really surprised that how much you love the Carol Burnett show, how Mama's family didn't ring true, ring like into your wheelhouse. Mm hmm. Well, it, I mean, it certainly did morph a little bit, you know, the, the Carol Burnett show version. And by the way, I am a super crazy nerd about the Carol Burnett show. And it's going to be difficult for me not to go on and on about this uh, from the the roots of it in the Carol Burnett show. But, uh, you know, the, uh, I don't know. It's, it was a silly show and it was the 80s and it was, you know, it ran from 83 to 84 and then it went away. So by the time it came back into first run syndication two years later in 86, I'm in college. I'm not watching TV. Yeah. So, and in my mind, I'm thinking of like Too Close for Comfort and It's a Living, uh, 9 to 5. All of those shows had a little slip in quality. Uh, yeah, I just never had a chance to sink my hooks into the, the later episodes. And they are delightful, all of them. And I know we keep saying it's an 80s sitcom, but it's a different 80s sitcom. Because it's not like you don't look at it and go, oh my God, it's so 80s. Oh like no, the way you it's timeless. Because the house is a grandma's house mm -hmm. and the costumes are 
so ridiculous. They are. But at the same time, like, um, there are a couple episodes where they try to do that. And like, um, I remember the girl who played Lisa Simpson. Um, Yardley Smith. Yardley Smith showed up as a punk rocker. Oh, gee. <laughs> and it's just, it's so out of place and weird to see that look with the mama's family. What do you, what do you call it? The mama's family. The, the art direction, the, yeah. The, the, the mise en scène, as the French that, would say. That's the words that I was not looking for. <laughs> but. I have a degree in cinema. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Because it is timeless, the costumes don't really, it's not like over our heads and the right. facts of life. There's nothing 80s-tastic about it. It's It does have, therefore, a more timeless appeal. And I think that absolutely works in its favor, Rewatching it now. But yeah, the family sketches started, they call them the family sketches. They all started in the latter part of the seventh season of The Carol Burnett Show in 1974, and would continue through the last five seasons of its 11-year run. So, Cal Burnett Show, you kind of think of it as synonymous with these characters. They went through nearly seven seasons before they ever came up with them. And the characters were created by two writers on the show, Dick Clare and Jenna McMahon. The thing with the, the family sketches was that it was all character-based. It wasn't joke-based. It wasn't but um one-liners like another recurring bit they did was the old folks which was her and harvey as elderly people sitting in rocking chairs literally just handing out old people one-liners to each other and and by the way carol the costume carol wore in that would become mama's dress in the mama's uh family sketches the thing about them was uh, they they had this thread of almost tragedy in them when you start really peeling away the layers of mama is basically abusive to Eunice with how she does not support her and calls her a failure and criticizes who she choose whom she chose to marry and how she raises her children and then we learn over the time that Eunice always wanted to be a performer but she literally had no one ever to support her in that to ever pursue these dreams. So Eunice is just this, this tragic comic character. And, uh, and they used to say hell and damn in prime yeah. time. And in the mid seventies, that was scandalous. And if you look them up on the YouTube videos, you hear the audience scream. And uh, I'm sorry. It was as a kid, it felt like I was watching something I shouldn't be seeing when I used to stay up and see it, it was great. And honestly, because that was comedically very forward thinking and honestly, the cussing, I think that's what kept the Cal Burnett show going those last five seasons. That's what kept it a little more current and it didn't fall into being the tired old sketches that they did in every other fucking variety show that was on. So I kind of think they pulled a lot of weight for keeping the Carol Burnett show going. And by the way, because Dick Clare and Jenna McMahon are also the people who created the facts of life, we could technically do any episode of Mama's Family, but we did choose this one because of Robert Mandon, and I really, really uh, enjoyed him on this episode. And then 
because the characters were popular. They did a 1982 made-for-TV movie called Eunice. They thought it might have traction for a series, but it didn't come to be. Then Carol Burnett and Joe Hamilton, her husband, who produced The Carol Burnett Show, broke up and divorced. So then there was yuckiness about the rights of the character and all that. And lastly, the the folklore is out there. I'm sure you've heard this story a million times, but originally Mama was supposed to be played by Carol Burnett. And they had written it with a guest star in mind to play the daughter. And then that ended up not happening that week. So they said, well, let's just do it with the family. And it was Carol who said, Vicky should be the mother. We should swap this. Let her play the mother. And Vicky Lawrence was not insulted by this. Vicky Lawrence, who was 24 years old at the time, had already really been good at playing the dowagers, the aunts, the older women in the 1940s and 50s movies that they were constantly spoofing. So that was already Vicky's type. So it wasn't that crazy or out of the blue. And, uh, and, and she was good at it. And so she did Mama for the first time at 24, which is insane. And because it was part of the regular rotating sketches and musical numbers, there are many of the sketches you can see with her with a full face of makeup and full on drag showgirl lashes behind oh, yeah. Mama glasses, which is very funny to see. And another thing, Matthew, that I picked up on the few episodes I did watch is it seems like Mama's family was following a show Bible. It is a little different from the show Bible of the version on The Carol Burnett Show, because every time they had a guest, they were like, oh, make it another brother. So uh, she had at least, Eunice had at least three brothers, Alan Alda, Roddy McDowell, uh, Tommy Smothers. I think Ken Berry played one of them. I think he played it in Eunice. Anyway, uh, they pared it down for the Mama's Family sitcom that Mama has three children. Eunice, Ellen, which is Betty White, and Vinton, that's Ken Berry. <laughs> and they seem to stick to it. And I like that. I mean, there were some issues about how... Um, Eunice had kids, but then we find out that she only had the one Bubba later and how Vint had kids in the first two seasons that we never heard from again once oh. the once the um syndication took over. That's right, because we had a different boy playing Buzz. We had Buzz and Sonya. Buzz and Sonya. Were they Vinton's kids? Yeah, they were terrible. Oh, yeah. So then we lose them and then we get Bubba. And uh, Bubba is the name of one of Eunice's kids. She talks about that way back on the show. How much of the show Bible of Mama's family is correctly referring back to the Cal Burnett show sketches is actually kind of amazing. And I'll put a link to the original first family sketch, which was uh, Roddy McDowell returning home. And, and, and it's introduced by Lyle Wagner. It's like, like kind of like the Alistair Quinn's thing. Lyle Wagner in the in the the tuxedo with the black background going, you know, when people go off and become successful, sometimes it's difficult to return home to the simple folk of your hometown or something like that. And then we see Roddy McDowell, who is at this point a Pulitzer Prize winning author, coming back to Mama's house. Eunice and Ed are there. He's Eunice's brother. And they could not give a shit. They have no idea what it means to be 
a Pulitzer Prize winning author. They are just clueless and, and it's hilarious. And in this sketch, they mention Mickey Hart, the guy down at Harvey Corman's hardware store. Well, Mickey Hart would later be a character played by Tim Conway years down the road before they ever imagined that would be an actual person. They refer to their town as Raytown, which is the name of the town that this is, which is, I think, fictional. But Vicky tries to say that it's in Missouri. Missouri. Is that what it is? Yeah. When it kind of suggests more kind of Alabama, Mississippi. I always see I didn't get Alabama or Mississippi. I always got Southern Indiana or Southern Ohio. That's oh, okay. what I always thought. Because that was my big thing, especially with this episode. They refer to the tri-state area. Why mm-hmm. is every, why does every place have a tri-state area? I know. It's so stupid. So stupid. Anyway. But yeah. Um but that original sketch is 12 minutes long, a 12 minute sketch. And it is awesome. And it's funny. And when you look at it, you're like, good God, these characters are already fully drawn in so many ways. And then later on Mama's Family, there would be a flashback episode on Mama's birthday when Carl, her husband, who is still alive at that time, uh, is supposed to be getting a big promotion. And the three kids the kid versions of Eunice, Ellen, and Vinton are there. And they are exactly the way we know Eunice and Ellen and Vinton to be as adults. And it's, oh, I'm I'm really deeply impressed with that. I just want to say. That episode, the girl that played Eunice was reminiscent to me of the young, when the girl that played the young Dorothy, like she was spot on. Oh, Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Extraordinarily good. Yes. So let's get talking about the show. I uh, didn't even look up what else was on because this episode that we're doing, which is Mama's Family, Season 6, Episode 5, Tri-State's Most Wanted. Thank you so much, Daily Motion, because Mama's Family ain't streaming nowhere that we can find it. But Well, not for free. Well, not for free, no. Yeah, so we have user <laughs> USTP Deborah 9002 to thank. So thank you, USTP Deborah 9002. Yeah. So this is an episode in the syndication run. It's towards the end of the run, actually. And uh, my only regret is that this episode, which we picked because Robert Mandon is in it, Robert Mandon, better known as Bruce Gaines on The Facts of Life, has a role in this. The only thing I regret is that this episode does not have the bigger jigger in it. They rarely went to the bigger jigger towards the end. And again, mm-hmm. I think budgetary, it was like, here's the front, house, front of the house and here's mama's house. That's the set. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I just love saying bigger jigger. I wish we could say that a million times. It's so much fun. Who doesn't? Like the chug-a-lug. Like the regal beagle. Anyway, uh, let's get talking about this episode. This originally aired on October 21st of 1989. So this is late because it went off uh, at the end of season seven. It was on for seven seasons. And whoops, nope, I take it back. It was on for six seasons. This is very late. It was on for two seasons, 83 to 84. And then two years later, they brought it back into first run syndication, 86 to 90. And it did rack up 130 episodes 
The episode was co-written by Catherine Davison and Albert Da Silva. Together, their IMDb shows that they wrote three episodes of Mama's Family, one episode of Major Dad in 1993. Previously, she had been a production assistant on 29 episodes of Mama's Family during the last two final seasons and assistant to the producers on 25 episodes of Doogie Howser. Mm. And that's it. Not really much in their IMDb's. The director of the episode was Dave Powers. That should be a very familiar name for anyone who is a fan of The Carol Burnett Show. He directed 246 of the 286 episodes of The Carol Burnett Show. Mm. And then would go on to do 140 episodes of Three's Company. And then he would direct 95 episodes of Mama's Family. So uh, very close to these characters he is. Mm-hmm. So in the first two seasons, as we said, there were two other characters that were Vinton's kids. Also regulars were Rue McClanahan as Thelma's spinster sister and Betty White reprising her hilarious role as snotty Sue Ann. God, Betty White was so good at playing that. She had done that already. Whoops, Sue Ann Niven was on Mary Tyler Moore's show. This was Ellen, Ellen, who was married to a doctor. Am I correct? Um, no, she was married to a politician. Oh, really? Is that what I've, made her I've, so? It, uh, you know what? I'd have to go back. It's been so long since I've sat through it. But she might have been married to a doctor, but I believe they might have gotten divorced and she started dating a politician. Oh, Or okay. being the politician's kind of other woman. But oh. she was she was dating the mayor. I don't know if they're married because there's an episode where Mama becomes the mayor. Mayor <laughs> Tut. Mayor Tutwiller. Of course there is. Of course there is. So uh, they were regulars on the, the original version that ran in 83-84. By the time they brought the show back in 1986, the two of them were not available. Yeah. Betcha they're kicking themselves in the ass. <laughs> taking that other shit show called the golden girls but uh with their departure we add the wonderful beverly archer as iola sort of the busy body neighbor kind of a gladys kravitz meets june cleaver dressed 100 in something lucy would wear from the 50s completely not of the period of the 80s and that's what makes it so damn freaking charming and with the loss of Buzz, we had to add another young man. So we added that Eunice's son, Bubba, suddenly had to move in with Mama and be raised by him, played by 26-year-old Alan Kayser. Mm-hmm. What, uh, g- give me some of your thoughts. Do you have any felts to be fielded about Alan Kayser? He wore tank tops and gray sweatpants a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, his jeans are painted on hell yes i don't even care that he's a terrible actor <laughs> because i just want to look at him this began my interest in gingers because fuck that boy is hot he is super hot uh yeah so uh, definitely a step up not that buzz wasn't cute but buzz was younger he was they were kind of going for a more teen demographic this is Again, a 26-year-old, I think, trying to play like he's a senior in high school, and we're like, yeah, we're not buying that shit. We're Oh, yeah. He graduates from high school on the on the last episode. Oh, Jesus Christ. 
Oh, bless. I don't remember. In this episode, is Vicki Lawrence credited as Vicki Lawrence or Vicki Lawrence Schultz? Mm, I don't remember. She might be Schultz in this one. Sometimes she was Schultz, sometimes she wasn't. But uh, yeah, Vicki Lawrence married Al Schultz, who was the makeup artist on The Carol Burnett Show. And uh, so with that, sometimes she would use her married name and sometimes she wouldn't. And I'm not aware that they aren't still together. I think they are still together. So it's not like she dropped the name like Farrah Fawcett Majors when she kicked Lee Majors to the curb. But uh, yeah, she was also a recording artist. She had a big hit in 1973, The Night the Lights Went Out in Georgia, and it was a monster hit. How old is Vicki Lawrence in this episode, Matthew? In this episode, I calculated she's about 38. Okay. Mm-hmm. How old is Ken Berry playing her son? I calculated he's about 55. How old is Dorothy Lyman, his wife? Somehow 60 years old. No, but, but Stop. She's 40 in this episode. 40. And she was also double dipping. She was also on a soap, wasn't she? And the first season, she was on All My Children. Wow. And Beverly Archer as Iola. Also 40. Also 40. And was also double dipping because she was on Major Dad? Not till after, I think. Oh, was it? I thought it was simultaneous, but I could be wrong. And Robert Mandon, we believe, is about 56. So... I'm telling you. And Mama is supposed to be in her 60s easily, right? Yeah. Yeah. And got talk about the gift that keeps on giving, though. When you're a young actor and you can play an older, like like Tim Conway is the oldest man on the Carol Burnett show. In those later reunions, he would come out with that wig on. And you're like, oof, we don't need the age makeup anymore, do we? <laughs> it's like, talk about a role you can grow into. And... uh the folklore, I'm sure everyone knows this, that Vicki Lawrence wrote a letter to Carol Burnett saying that people said that she looked like her and she happened to be in a beauty contest. So Carol went and saw her and was like, you know, we're going to be doing these sketches where I need an actress to play my kid's sister. Why don't we hire her? So they hired her straight out of high school. No performance experience much. I mean, she did have some singing lessons and some dance lessons, but those early, early episodes, the season one episodes... Oof. Wow. Her best work was still far ahead of her. Yeah. She but, was learning by fire. Yeah. And Harvey Corman, I think, took her under wing and was helping her and all that. But wow, she did blossom into quite the versatile character actress. And uh, yeah. So kind of exciting when you watch this show and realize how long that as of this show in 1989, she's been playing the role for 15 years. And she's still doing it. And still, yeah, still part of her one-woman show. She does half of it as mama and half of it as herself. And yeah, God bless her. And and I love her. She's got a good aura about her. When you see her on TV shows and the reunions, you're like, oh, yeah. she's one of the good ones. You can tell she's nice and she's fun to work with. Yeah. She had her own talk show. Oh, that's Vicky. right. She did. Vicky. Exclamation point. <laughs> so, Yeah. Are we ready to synopsize the show? Are we ready to get talking about this particular episode? Yes. Because I don't think I have anything else to discuss, if you can believe it. Opening theme, delightful, with the shot of the house and the exterior. 
So we started in mama's living slash dining room, which by the way, window into the kitchen. How many times have I said, do houses really have that window into the, anyway. The scene opens with Bubba's legs wide open. As it should. Mm -hmm. And therefore, uh, it ruined the exposition of the episode for me because I was hypnotized. (laughs) Well, thankfully for you, I was paying attention. And what is going on is Mama is trying to clean up the dinner dishes and no one is helping her because Vinton, Naomi, and Bubba are all glued to the TV. They're watching a show called Tri-State's Most Wanted, which is apparently a local version of America's Most Wanted, which, by the way, only had premiered in February of 88. So this was still a very new thing. And that show ran for 23 years, by the way, and has been revived multiple times, most recently in 2021. America's Most Wanted is a big deal. Old people love it. People love true crime shit. Mm Mm-hmm. So they're saying they feel it's their duty as Americans to get involved and try to catch criminals and keep an eye out. And Mama says, well, that's just stupid, thinking that even though they say these criminals are in the area and could be nearby or right next door, that you're actually going to see one and catch one. And they say, well, if you do, there's a $20,000 reward. Suddenly it's like, oh. And Naomi says, we could use that money for our new addition. So Naomi's Prager's here. Isn't that also the finale? Bubba graduates and Naomi has her baby. Naomi, at the age of 66, <laughs> has a baby. Uh, and, and, and and that is one of those things. In the season before, there were quite a few, there was quite a few references to where she couldn't get pregnant. They were trying. And but the the show never like turned it into anything morose or, or melancholy. It was just it was an ongoing thing in the oh. season before where she could not get pregnant. Huh. And yeah, I mean, it's, and Dorothy Lyman actually did have a baby very late in life. Oh, did she? Yeah. She was on um, password the other day. Um, that I saw and, um, she was pregnant. Wow. And, yeah. Man. Like in like 85 or 86 or something like that. So she had a baby like around 38. That's very, for back then, that's very, yeah. Yeah. Uh, There is this ongoing thing also that Naomi and Vinton are kind of sponging off of Mama, still living in her basement because they just can never seem to get financially ahead. So I'm not sure Mama is thrilled there's going to be a baby going on here. This whole, oh, you really trying for a family? Where the fuck are you going to live, huh? Who's going to help raise that kid? (sighs) Anyway, um, Iola comes in. God, Iola is just a delight. Such a character performance, but she gets the the assignment, as you've said so many times. She knew the job. And she comes in saying she wants to borrow something. And Thelma goes, what? Oh, Thelma is mama's name, by the way. We need to say that. Thelma Harper. So Thelma says, well, what, what, what do you want to borrow? Your sofa. And mama is like, oh, no, you are not going to borrow my sofa. I know what's going on. She is doing props for the play at the Pepper Pot Playhouse, which I also love as a name. So Iola states her case that, well, Thelma, come on. The script calls for shabby period furniture badly in need of refurbishing. Your couch is perfect. <laughs> Again, her her timing, though, and the way it's just so much learning going on for little Matthew Arder. 
Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And by the way, Vicky is extraordinarily good in this. Yeah. Vicky Lawrence is a force of nature comedically. Yeah. Let's make it very clear that the, the talk of her early days being so, oof, as she had a lot of on-the-job training, she blossomed into and and fills out this character and knows the character so well. Everything she does is comedy gold here, and I am just here for it. So anyway, this play at the Pepper Pot Playhouse, which I can say a million more times and still be happy, uh, they've hired an actor from New York. <laughs> Ooh. And these are the things that reinforce that we're in a small town. And and Mama's like, oh, some big highfalutin actor from New York, whatever. And Iola says, they are paying him a salary. And they're all like, ooh. And they're putting him up at the Motel 6. The new one under the viaduct. <laughs> that was Bubba's line. I laughed out loud. That what that's... I laughed at was, David, she didn't say they're paying him a salary. She said in that perfect Midwestern accent that I hate from anybody else, but they are paying him a salary. Salary. Two syllables. Not a salary, a salary. <laughs> and it's like in Indiana, you go to the restaurant, you know, you have oh. a paper, you have a paper route, you have a fucking, you, oh, I got to get up on the roof. Uh-huh. I, I gotta go, yeah. gotta go the turlet. Ugh. Yeah. These awful gotta, gotta go read a book. Yeah. I gotta I gotta read an email. I gotta get a cookie. Uh, <laughs> but just Uh-oh. the perfect delivery and yeah, hilarious. Motel Six, which I found interesting that they would. I guess they wanted to really get across that how trashy this town is but that a motel six they're all like ooh. yeah but one of my favorite things about mama's family is that everything was raytown oriented so mm-hmm. like um oh the fanciest restaurant in town is the shay ray <laughs> or um or where where'd you get that ray drugs uh, you know where uh, like oh, oh okay the raymart and like it was okay. all like yeah, so they did a lot of like they figured out how to work Ray into everything that was in this town, and I was kind of disappointed that it wasn't a. Uh, they are staying at the Ray Hotel or yeah. something like that, but, the, at the but, Ray Ray Motor Lodge, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but the new one under the viaduct, the motel—that's the fanciest place right yeah. now to to just establish that. I love it, and again. From the first sketch on the Carol Burnett show, they reference Raytown, that they've stuck with that and they've taken it and run with it. I love that. (sighs) So the actor that is coming into town from New York, his name is Leslie Lemoyne. (laughs) And they're all like, wow, Vinton. Vinton is such such a cockeyed optimist. He is such a beautiful, innocent, chipper soul. I just, I love Ken Berry as Vinton. And he's like, Leslie Lemoyne, I know who that is. Yeah. So Mama, in her acerbic, cutting way, nobody knows and nobody cares and probably some has-been who never was. So no, they are not going to use my sofa. Fuck off. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. 
And I don't do a very good mama impression. And plus I'm vocally challenged right now. <clears throat> so that's the end of that scene. Next scene is out on the front stoop. I'm impressed this set very well duplicates the exterior of the house that we see in the opening theme song. Yeah. I'm like, wow, this is good. So it's unlike the unlike the Golden Girls front door. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> or the Brady Bunch. So Vinton and Naomi are on the front stoop making a sketch of one of the bad guys based on what they saw on the TV show last night. And it's their intention to go to the local mall and see if they can maybe spot this guy who has been sighted in the area so they can collect that $20,000 reward. And the running gag, Mama always referring to Naomi, basically slut shaming her and referring to her mm -hmm. as loose. So as she's drawing, she says, I've been told I have natural talent. Mama says, well, you shouldn't believe everything you hear in the backseat of a Chevy. Come on. Comedy gold. Great joke. Comedy gold. So anyhow, Vinton shows Mama that they have acquired a pair of handcuffs, which they plan to use to subdue this criminal. Keep that in mind. Put a pin in that, folks. This is the Chekhovian gun that will yep. have to be fired later on in the episode. So put a pin in that. And, and I'm here for it. Writing-wise, absolutely. Then Bubba comes in. Do you remember with, what Bubba had to say? With his ass. Mm. And then turns around and just, what a beautiful, beautiful boy. God damn. Um, so Bubba is going to audition for this play, mm -hmm. which was written specifically for this woman they have a whole a whole bit about how this old woman <laughs> that it's apparently the Meryl Streep of Raytown yeah Martha has, P. Pines Miss Pepper Pot herself yeah I was hoping they would use they used the name um oh god what was her name um Roselle Huplander Roselle <laughs> Huplander <laughs> yeah Roselle Huplander oh that's a beautiful <laughs> name God so damn. I was hoping they'd reference her, but um, but this play has been written for her and she's playing the ingenue. <laughs> yes. And it just, just made me laugh because it's so community theater and just so delightful. Yeah. And but, Mama not having it. Mama no. just always having a zinger or a put down or a whatever. And God, it's just so funny. Bubba is going to audition for the play. Well, he did audition and he got the part. Oh, yes, he got the part. Well, why did he audition for the play? Because there's a girl there that he wants <laughs> to impress. Yuck. Patty Benson. He goes, I've been trying to get her to notice me for months. Just I'm trying to, I know. Ugh. Walk around in those jeans in front of her. Yeah, you and George I, Clooney, I know. It's so hard. Must be tough in Raytown looking like a built ginger. Uh, with, with an ass you could eat dinner off of. <laughs> oh, you poor thing. <laughs> Cannot get a girl to save his life. Poor Bubba. Mama is left alone and she's doing some of her gardening stuff and talking to herself perfectly okay. I did not mind her just saying to herself, well, who's that across the street with Naomi? Well, doesn't he look full of himself? Oh, that must be that Leslie the Moyne. Cannot stand some phony baloney actor tooting his own horn. And then you hear Iola. And it's like, oh, shit, they're coming over. So 
here is where we get to meet Robert Mandon. And uh, Matthew, this scene is perfect. I was so happy because they've done it on Facts of Life with Tootie. Anytime they make somebody a theater person, mm -hmm. they're so ridiculously over the top. But thank God. And, and the lines were there. He could have gone to 110 miles per hour. Yes, yes, he could have. And he didn't. And it was wonderful. He charmed Mama and perfectly. Just, just enough. They did it on the Golden Girls with that fucking actor that they were all auditioning with for the, the part. Oh, that, yeah. That commute there where B. Arthur played the sheriff in the play. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> where he was just so ridiculous. And so I was so happy that he really understood the assignment, especially on a show like Mama's Family, where it's very easy to go 100% over the top. And yeah. And the scene is he meets her and through talking to her and complimenting her, he does mention, oh, you know, as he, you know, shakes her hand, kisses her hand, I can't believe you do your own gardening. And Mama is charmed by him. And I think if he had played it too over the top, we would have been like, no, Mama would not be buying this bullshit. Right. So he's he's just the right level of charming. And Robert Mandon is a dashing man and just plays it nice and endearing. Definitely laying it on not thick, but like when she says, oh, well, things here in Raytown must seem pretty simple to, uh, you know, fancy city folk like you. And he's like talking about how he appreciates small towns and how nice the people are there. I mean, genuine stuff. And her switch, how she goes from fuck this guy and I don't even want to meet him to, well, why don't you come inside and have some tea? And the last word she says before they go up into the house from the porch and she says, you know, I have a soap I think might be just right for that play of yours. My favorite line in that scene was when Iola in perfect Midwestern accent goes, well, he just came back from New Zealand where he played in this play under the yum yum tray. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that killed me under the yum yum tree. Tray. <laughs> anyway, oh. but yes, delightful scene. And I mean, the but the writing is perfect and the performances are perfect. And this is where you really, I mean, Vicky, Vicky's got to go very big and broad and later in the show, but the subtlety of her starting in one place and ending up. We totally believe she is 100% damp in the knickers for this dude. Yeah. So we go to commercial there. When we come back from commercial, we're in the living room. Vinton and Naomi come back from the mall. Uh, by the way, she is wearing an A-line top that is in the leopard print. That's that sort of hint of a baby bump, but not really. Like, like the perfectly thin, slender actress with just a little bump in her belly, not another anything different about her body. Right. It's it's like on The Office. You know, Pam's first pregnancy was a fake pregnancy. Jenna Fisher had never been pregnant. Pam's second pregnancy, they wrote into the show because Jenna Fisher was pregnant. So when we come into season eight, where she's already well along in her way, you're like, whoa, okay, yeah, that's, uh, that's not acting. That's a pregnant woman. Whoa, okay, wow. So... 
they do a great visual gag, where as they're saying, they did not find any of these hardened criminals down at the mall, much as they would have liked to, to get the reward. Vinton says, well, the secret to being a great detective is paying attention to detail. And it's done in a close-up of him, and he sits down, we cut to a wide shot. Great visual gag. He sits down, and there's no couch there. They've are apparently Mama's already given her couch to the Pepper Pot Playhouse. It's already been hauled away, and Vinton didn't even notice that it wasn't there. As he's talking about how important it is to be observant, I laughed. I laughed very hard at that. By the way, this set, this really resembles the All in the Family set a lot. Mm where you've got the kitchen on the left, little dining area to the right of that, and then this sort of living room area in the front, and then the bend, the, the, the bend in the stairs that go up and yeah. all that. It's it's nicer than All in the Family. It doesn't look like a, a you know a brownstone in, in Queens. But um, anyway, so Thelma and Iola come into the room and they ask what happens to the couch. And she says, oh, I've landed to the playhouse. And they're like, well, what made you change your mind? And Mama's like, well... Bubba got a part in the play and I want to support Bubba. And I was like, she has a crush on Leslie. We had tea for an hour and a half and they just got along swimmingly. So Thelma is all, oh, Pisha, oh, stop. And they're all, mama's got a boyfriend. And she's invited him to dinner on Friday night because that same night he has asked her to be his guest at the theater. It is also the same as opening night of this play. So... Mama is still like, oh, shut up. No, it, we're just friends. It's nothing else. And then she goes into the kitchen and she's like, it's no big deal. Just repaying his kindness with a home-cooked meal. Then to herself, she says, I wonder what Chateaubriand is going for these days. <laughs> Hilarious. Perfect comic timing. And I had to admit, I had to Google what Chateaubriand was. Uh-huh. What is that? Well, I hear Chateau, and I think that that's, that's like a, a wine. Mm-hmm. Chateaubriand consists traditionally of a large front-cut fillet of tenderloin grilled between two lesser pieces of meat that are discarded after cooking. It was invented by the personal chef to the Vicomte François-René du Chateaubriand in 1822, who was at the time the ambassador of France in England. And it was his chef, Montmirail. M-O-N-T-M-I-R-E-I-L. Montmurray. God, French is a tough language. Yeah. So quick dissolve to mama based in her meat. Giggity. And then the meat walks in. (laughs) In comes Bubba, wearing Mm. a lovely fitting pair of jeans. God. Hallelujah. So... He's nervous about opening night. They have a little quick bit of her helping him rehearse his lines to make sure he knows them. He's got one freaking line. Would you please sign here for your package count? And then it cuts to Vicky flipping the pages back and forth. Again, comedic timing, razor sharp. Well, so. and she she he runs out and just the throwaway line that Vicky has. Well, I didn't even get to say a line. <laughs> She says, she says about that. Anyone who says there's no such thing as small parts, only small actors is full of malarkey or something. Like she has a a little jab about that. But like as she as he leaves, she's like going back to her cooking. Goes, well, I didn't even get to say a line. (laughs) (laughs) Made me laugh. 
Mm-hmm. She probably improvised that. I'll bet you. So Vitna and Naomi are glued to the TV, watching Tri-State's Most Wanted again, looking for new criminals they might catch. And Mama is like, no, get out of here. Shoo, I want the house to myself. And they're like, but we thought we'd stay and chaperone you and Mr. Lemoyne. And Mama's response, the hell you are. There's a hell. We love it when Mama swears. And he says, Mama, they're about to show the felon of the week. And Mama says, you're going to be the victim of the month if you don't get your butts out of here. Kicks them out. And so as she's quickly picking up the living room, she sees the handcuffs were left on the coffee table. So she quickly grabs them, puts them in her apron pocket. And as she does so, we hear. This is straight out of the script I, I did. Because by the way, subtitles like scripts also does have all of the transcribed scripts of Mama's family. In addition to the facts of life. This week's felon is a dangerous man who preys on older women. He's now believed to be in the tri-state area. A $50,000 reward is offered for his capture. He's a consummate actor, capable of playing many roles, handsome and charming. He woos his way into women's lives, marries them for their money, then brutally does away with them. His last victim, Harriet Lee, was a rich widow from Phoenix on her final trip to the Grand Canyon. And then you hear... The voice of Robert Mandon going, ah, isn't it a lovely evening? Come closer to the edge, my dear. And Mama looks at the TV in shock, says, oh, my Lord, it's Leslie Lemoyne. I'm fixing Chateaubriand for the widow waster. The widow waster. Then ding dong, it's him at the door. Go to commercial, second commercial break. This is a three act show. Not like facts of life. So the only weird thing about this is that she clutches her boobs. Like not, not like clutching your neck or putting your hand over your heart. She literally just goes, oh my Lord, she's literally clutching her boobs. I'm like, that's weird. I mean, obviously they're not her boobs. It's her padding. But <sighs> anyway, um, so after we get back from the commercial break, she tries to not answer the door, but he comes in anyway in a tuxedo, looking dashing. Who does this? Who wears a tuxedo to a dinner the same night as opening night of, of a show of a play? This is a little far-fetched, but again, I forgive it. I forgive well, the show. That's, I, I forgive it too, but I was like, wait, when is the play? When? Bubba's already left for the play. And okay. But it was not clear that the Friday night mama invited him to dinner was also the same Friday night of opening night. That was not clear until this scene when he says, Thelma, I've got to get to the theater. What are you doing? You know? So, yeah, it was that was not clear earlier. It doesn't that that's the only little chink in the armor of the writing of this episode, because otherwise it's so fabulous. So we get the sitcom thing of him, of course, clueless as to what she knows and trying to woo her, being charming, trying to make a little bit of a pass at her. And she is petrified and stammering and stumbling over herself to keep away from him and trying to lie and say that the kids will be home any minute. And they're, they're definitely not alone. And he goes into the kitchen while she's getting the food. <laughs> He walks in, she turns around and screams at the top of her lungs. And he's like, 
oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to startle you. And she's like, oh, yeah, I, I get jittery when I cook or something like that. Just over the top, but yet they make this shit work. I loved when he said, when he said, she goes, um, we're going to have to go out. Look, it's, it's burnt. And she opens and closes the oven so quickly. Look, it's burnt there. <laughs> God, I love her. Yep. So then he starts to advance on her saying, I am hungry, but not for food. And then he sits her down in a chair and starts to massage her shoulders. And, and she, of course, thinks he's about to kill her or strangle mm -hmm. her. At which point she feels her apron and we see a close-up of her realizing she still has the handcuffs. At which point she says, that feels great. Now it's your turn. And she throws him down on the chair, starts to massage his shoulders and then slaps the handcuffs on him and handcuffs him to the chair. And his reaction is the best and longest laugh of the show where he looks at her like, what? And then his astonishment turns into a smile and he says Thelma you surprise me <laughs> he is into it and the audience did not expect that and so then she takes off his belt to attach his feet to uh, uh, tie his, his legs to the chair and of course he's like oh this is great and she's like you no stop it you're going to the slammer and he's like oh I get it you're the prison guard and I'm the naughty inmate <laughs> and of course Thelma is completely repulsed by this so he's like okay this is the point where he says Thelma, go, no, really Thelma come on cut it out I gotta get to the theater it's opening night and then he starts calling for help and she gags him help call my agent that's right. <laughs> then she gags him so he can't call out. And then we go to the next scene. Vinton and Naomi, he is massaging her feet. They've apparently been all over town, did not see one criminal. Guess they didn't go to the opening night of the play that their nephew is in. Okay. But anyhow, Bubba and Iola come in and they're like, where's Mama? And they're like, we don't know. Well, how was the play? It was a disaster. Leslie never showed up. Iola had to go on for him with a script in hand. They booed her off the stage. <laughs> Bubba screwed up his one line, so the girl he was interested in, Patty, won't even go to the cast party with him. Which, why are you having a cast party? Really? If the star didn't show up and it was a disaster. <laughs> yeah. And he does say, I thought you did a really good Australian accent. And Iola says, it was supposed to be Austrian. <laughs> so then Mama and Leslie come in. They were at the police station, and she sheepishly admits that she had him arrested. And she says, in my defense, I saw him killing some old lady on Tri-State's Most Wanted. And I literally did not expect this line. And this line is the, the fixing of everything, of the, how ludicrous is this? How crazy? Robert Mandon says, it was a reenactment. I was playing a part. I forgot that. They do hire actors to do dramatizations on those shows. And, and I thought it was probably just going to be Mama. Oh, Mama, that was stupid. It looked like him, but it wasn't him. Or you you thought it was him, but you weren't paying attention. You know, you. I, I thought they were just going to dismiss it to some type of just a simple mistaken he says what kind of idiot 
wouldn't commit murder in front of TV cameras. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so and then his last exit line, because it's like, of course, he's no longer interested. He grabs his coat and he says, "That's what I get for doing television." Mm-hmm. And he is gone. And it's funny because he's on a TV show right exactly. now. Exactly, he's literally. <laughs> Only ever really been famous for TV roles. I don't know that Robert Mandon has any memorable film roles that we can think of. But then he's gone. And then we get to the classic standard ending of the show where Mama goes off on some sort of a complaint tirade as we zoom out from the exterior shot. And so we hear Mama saying, well, it serves me right for getting involved with an actor. They break your heart. They steal your sofa, leave you with an oven full of Chateaubriand. Next time I tell an actor to break a leg, I'm going to mean it. (laughs) Funny. Funny from start to finish. I loved this, Matthew. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad I thought of it to do Mama's Family. I think that was one of the best ideas I've ever had. I think so, too. Yeah. Uh, so final words, Matthew, what tell, fi- tell us your final thoughts about Mama's family. I will say this about Mama's family in the fact that Ken Berry is just so charming mm-hmm. that even as redonkulous as his character is, he's still, you get why Naomi just loves him and how much they, I love how like horny for each other they were. Oh yeah. Like, you know, and I just, I loved Iola, I loved Bubba, I loved this cast, and I just, it was like, it was always just so comfortable to sit and watch Mama's Family. Mm-hmm. Delightful. I used to have, this is so stupid and off topic, but I used to have a walkie-talkie system, <clears throat> and it had a Morse code button on it. Oh, yeah, sure. I remember those, yeah. That would make a beep sound. Yeah. And I used it as my sensor button when I would impersonate Mama as a kid. Oh, my God. First of all, you would would do Mama as a kid? Oh, yeah. Because I loved the show. So I would be like, well, good Lord, Vinton. And I would be like, well, what the beep do you think I'm going to (laughs) do? Yes. So it was a lot of that as a kid. I remember playing with that and. Playing mom. Well, good lord <laughs> was one of her catchphrases. But oh. I just I just loved Mama's family and I loved the character work in it. And I think it helped me become the character actor that I am today. Yeah. And and the comic timing is there. They're all, I mean, even Baba, who is certainly less experienced than the others, he lands his jokes. They give him a couple and he lands them. Oh yeah. And so, I mean, he's on a stage with, I mean, pros. <laughs> the show did win an Emmy. Um, did for, it? It did for costume design for Bob Mackie. Oh, okay. Because, yeah, <laughs> in the early days, they were Bob Mackie's costumes. That's right. Yeah. What are your final thoughts on Mama's Family, David Almeida? Um, my My final thoughts are... Like I said, I enjoyed this much more than I had planned to. I didn't think I was going to hate it, but I just thought I was going to find it stupid and dismissible. But the the performances and and the writing and the 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 comedy, the laughs, it all was working 
in harmony. I get why it went on as long as it did. It's not a terrible show. You're scratching your head going, how in the hell did anybody sit through this? It's like, it's really, really fun. And yeah, I'm a fan now. I will be watching more of these as I already have. Yay. <laughs> There's there's a couple I like I loved any episode where Mama got to sing. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and there's a episode where she enters the the gorgeous Grandma of Raytown contest or something. Oh jeez, and she sings um some of these days you're gonna miss me, honey. Oh yeah, some of these days you're gonna miss my loving. You'll miss my loving, you'll miss my... And then it just ends with this big, you're gonna miss your big, fat, ever-loving mama. And I just loved it. Uh, oh. She's wonderful. Vicki Lawrence, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic. Love her. Love the show. This gets five out of five talkaholic chips from me. 100%. Mm-hmm. So do we want to tell them what we're going to be talking about next month? What are we going to talk about next month? Next month, we have found an episode of Good Times in which Charlotte Ray was a guest star. Oh. So I thought that would be fun for us to do next time. And the Good Times, the entire series is available on Amazon Prime. So I will post a link to that in the show notes if uh, folks are interested in watching the episode. It's season two, episode 14 of Good Times called Florida's Big Gig. And we're going to be back with that, I think, next month. This was kind of an unexpected, just let's start up again thing. But let's see if we can get back to a, a monthly cycle, as it were. All right. I think we're both past that, but Okay. <laughs> I swear to God, I'm on these new meds for my anxiety, and it's making me hotter. Like, I've always been a cold person. Like, if my thermostat was at 78, I was comfortable. Like, I've always been cold-blooded, and I swear these meds have made me. I'm like, Jesus Christ, I'm 55 years old, and now I'm going through the change. And I'm I'm one of these people. It's like, oh fuck, it's so hot out. Shit, what is the is this is the air conditioning broken? What's going on here? And Anyway, well, thank you again, Matthew, for suggesting this. Thank you so much, sponsors, for listening. You are going to get this show exclusively, and then it will go into the regular cycle down the road. But uh, we're going to start giving you the shows way ahead of time because you deserve it for your generosity. And until next week, smooches and goodbye. Next month. (laughs) What's wrong with me? Oh, Do you want to start that list? So until next month, smooches and goodbye. Bye, David. Bye, Matthew. We'll make you happy. Come and knock on our door. Come and knock on our door. Where we're moving on. Compromising, enterprising, anything but tranquilizer. Here's the story. You take-